Hello and welcome to another episode of Freight to the Point. My name is Alfie and I will be your podcast host for today. So we've talked a lot about the ocean market in our podcast from rates, inventory disruptions and you name it. Lots of things happening in the ocean world. But I think it's about time to shine a spotlight on road freight for a change, don't you think? So there's no one better to join me to discuss this topic other than Mr. Michael Star with a double R. I wish you are our rising star. He's the Zen Cargo's Overland Commercial Director. Michael, thank you for being here. Would you like to give us an intro about yourself? Sure. Uh, very quick intro. Uh, Michael Starr. I've been in the freight and logistics arena, as I like to say, for about uh, over 15 years now in the US, APAC, and now European region. I've been with Zen Cargo for almost four years, maybe a little bit over four years now. It's tough to tough to keep track of time nowadays, but uh, yeah, happy to get stuck into road freight. That's great. I can't wait. So let's buckle up and start the journey, right, Michael? <laughs> great. So there are lots of key trends in the market and, and obviously the road market in specific in today's episode. And I think there are lots of things that happen around the world and, and where we are and how it's changed over time. So my first question to you really is to kind of understand how the road freight evolved since before the pandemic. We'll take that as a milestone, as everyone can relate to. And what kind of a road strategy looked like in the old days before the pandemic, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, I would say a lot. Certainly, a lot has changed from for the last, let's say, four years. We've had a couple key inflection points with the pandemic, and then of course the Ukraine-Russian um, war afterwards. I would say when we look at the pandemic versus like post-pandemic versus you know kind of pre, the road freight was really structured. It was really very set, like very structured asset base and you're starting to see especially with the pandemic time like how quick everything had to move to like service your customers to get like to achieve the speed to market that you wanted to achieve you really had to just accelerate you know all aspects of your of your supply chain and and road of course being you know the first and last link at the at the very least the first and last link of your supply chain so when you talk about like delighting your customers in the last mile, whether it's B2B, B2C, you know, the pandemic was all about speed, getting stock to your customers, getting it there, you know, in, in the in the time frame that they expected. And costs just naturally kind of became second nature to that, uh, to the speed aspect. So what we saw, especially in the last four or five years is, of course, digitalization and technology have really helped kind of change the old old ways of doing things, the old real structured, you know, uh, this is the way it's been done for 30 years. It's kind of started to change a little bit. The pandemic broke a lot of that down, right? With like needing to be quick to market. It broke a lot of those barriers down naturally as well. The problem then is with, you know, when you do, when you look at 2022, February, March, with the war in uh, Ukraine, that then took all the, really fast, quick decision-making that had to happen then made it very expensive. Now, obviously, that's changed a little bit with the downturn in the, in the marketplace, and Road is certainly feeling that, but not not nearly to the degree that you're, you're seeing that in the ocean freight market, for instance. So I would say that's, that's a really 
big transitionary period the last five years is having to go fast, fast, fast. And now fast, fast, fast has become expensive, expensive, expensive. Yeah, it, it is interesting you're saying that because definitely we are seeing a demand falling down from how it was in the past. So, so as you said, everything was fast, fast, fast. And I love your analogy, speed and fast. That's, that's when it comes to road. But how did the carriers respond to that, that slowness of demand? I think you saw a lot of them kind of really jump in with both feet and change a lot of their processes and ways of working to achieve what their customers were demanding of them. And of course, you saw a lot of investment in assets, in um, new trucks, you know, Euro 6s, clean technology, uh, you know, more drivers. You know, everyone knows that basically everywhere you look around the world, there's a tremendous driver shortage gap that exists and is growing. And so everyone's investing in that to make sure that they can meet their customers' needs. So that's really the big changes there is the carriers, I would say, when you see the money on the, uh, you know, money writing on the wall, you can, uh, you know, carriers will generally try and try and follow that. And so, yeah, you know, you've seen the uptick in technology with the telematics and, you know, working with companies like Forkites and, you know, Project 44, a lot of carriers are starting to integrate with them from their telematics perspective because they know that's what the market is starting to demand. So yeah, they're they're kind of being pulled by by the customers' needs and wants to um, to change a lot of their old processes. So how do we see the difference between road in specific and other modes of transport in terms of disruption, in terms of how the road changed in, in response to that disruption how, how and, and the changes of kind of carrier relationship. Obviously, everyone is really aware of the ocean relationship carriers where, you know, there's a lot of capacity. In it. You know all the things ocean now, but how does it differ from the, from the road side of things? Between ocean and air, there's such a fundamental difference with road because of how fragmented the road marketplace is. You know, in the U.S., there's 50,000 different carriers in Europe. It's it's not too dissimilar. When you look at the ocean marketplace, you're talking about, you know, eight, nine bigger ones and a few niche carriers. And even air, you're talking about quite good cargo lines and also passengers that move cargo alongside some niche carriers as well. But there's also alliances there. There's interline, you know, alliances there for moving cargo through each other's flights. So you're, you're really talking about, you know, 30, 40, 50 options on air freight. So that's broken down so dramatically when you look about road, because if you're a first mover in road freight, it it doesn't necessarily translate to the rest of the market. And that also applies, of course, to rates and capacity. You know, let's say I have too few shipments for the amount of trucks that I have, because let's say I bought, you know, 50 trucks or 100 trucks during the pandemic. And now obviously there's a bit of a downturn at the moment. And I could drop my, my pricing to try and fill those trucks, but it doesn't necessarily even mean that I'm going to see those shipments. It doesn't actually mean I'm going to keep my drivers busy. Like it's just not how the market correlates. So that's why, you know, when you see, and even though there's obviously, of course, fixed asset costs, it's just not to the degree of laying up a cargo ship and getting the rates to come back up because 
if you lay up all your trucks and just move the you know the bare bones that get that keep your customers relatively happy someone else is going to be trying to fill theirs you know there's 30,000 competitors and and you're up for full truckload so it, it just doesn't translate to the same market so when you look at solutions so I think what the interesting thing is that solutions tend to move quicker on road freight than they do in other modes of transportation, but rates and capacity tend to not change that much, kind of antithesis to the to the other modes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting you're saying that because you're kind of providing an insight of how the carriers are thinking, and, and that's really interesting because not many shippers understand the logic of how carriers are thinking, and I think the key here is really understanding how to be a good customer, right, for, for the for carrier as well in, in, in tough times or lower up times. But how would the shippers think in terms of road freight when it comes to strategy and, and, and in the kind of restocking cycles? And, and obviously there are lots of risks, right? And at the same time, what kind of opportunities that they should grab when it comes to that? I think because road freight is so intrinsic to your customer, your end customer's experience, again, whether it's B2B or B2C, it ends up on a truck and being delivered somewhere. It's so core that I think strategy really plays a strong element to build that strategic partnership with one or a variety of carriers or non-asset based companies that fill the like strategic needs that you have across your supply chain. That to me is like you start number one with like, I want to build a strategic partnership with ABC or, you know, one, two, three. And, and you start to, when you go to market, you start to see what everyone wants and needs. And they're definitely not the same. No haulier, no non-asset based provider is the same. And they all have different wants and needs. And if you can work to a mutually beneficial situation, you tend to find long-term relationships that support each other through like great growth when everything's going well and you, you just need a lot of support, a lot of capacity, a lot of help solving problems versus, and then the bad times when you need to move things at the most cost-effective way possible and it's bare bones and you, that's how you, that's how I think you like, that's a mind, sorry, the framework that you start from is building a strategic relationship. Yeah, I think definitely it, it is a key thing to have with your carriers, right? It's to build to see the strategic relationships. Let me take you into the world of problems, right? Everything um, in any mode of transport, unfortunately, things can be challenging at times, right? Apart from Brexit, which was a very big challenge for every single customer and shipper in road transport, what kind of issues or challenges they may face that really goes and affects the market in the road freight world? Well, a couple of the, the, the big ones would be, of course, driver shortages and capacity shortages or a glut of capacity, fuel, it, it, depending on what trade lane you're operating, it's 25 upwards of maybe 35% of your operating costs on a daily basis as a transport provider. It's investing in new technologies. You know, there's always, it's not so binary as with ocean and air where you make a, a really big purchase and you can 
see that investment play out for like many, many years. Trucking is not necessarily as much as a, you see a shorter term benefit and then there's new technologies that come into place and, and the like the CapEx required to buy a truck is not obviously the same as buying a Boeing or a new 20,000 TEU vessel. So it's a bit of a quicker, quicker turnover there. So, you know, their assets themselves. And then I would say certainly like reliability is a, is, is a big one. You know, again, when like road freight touches your customers, so like, so importantly, that reliability piece just starts to, you know, we all, we all have those escalations of, you know, missing a delivery slot or, you know, 30 minutes late and, you know, someone's been waiting to offload for 30 minutes and, you know, or maybe they hired some laborers for the day to offload. And it's just every time those reliability issues come into play, they, they have these knock-on effects to the carriers, to the customers, you know, to you yourself as the shipper. So they're they're also very intrinsically linked together. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, these kind of challenges are slightly different from other modes of transport, but at the same time, I think it's been consistent, right? It, it doesn't come up like you, you see driver shortages and it's always been either comes this time of, 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 of period. There are driver shortages and it's resolved and then few years later there will be driver shortages it literally becomes a natural reoccurrence very cyclical yes i mean with also road freight you know once a ship like leaves its last port in the far east you know okay it's slow steaming but you generally have a pretty finite window when it's actually going to arrive to let's say that the european court port of call and maybe it's plus or minus 24 hours or whatever. But when you look at journey, it's such a small percentage of that of that 40-day, 45-day journey. Road freight, with how delays work and working hours for the drivers work in in U.S. obviously as well as you know Europe and the U.K. These little bits of time lost or you know efficiency lost actually has a really large knock-on effect and. So this is where planning comes really key between shippers and hauliers. For instance, we had, you know, the bank holiday yesterday, or maybe, well, sorry, you can, you can say what, on May 29th, uh, <laughs> bank holiday. And so Germany and a few other countries have a, a driving ban. So you had a driving ban Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You have plenty of customers who would expect that you could have delivered something that collected on Friday for Tuesday morning, but you actually couldn't have driven most of that time. So you need to like on a really like week by week, almost day by day basis, be kind of consulting and working with your hauliers to know like the best way to service your customers, whether they're your own like internal stock transfers between warehouses or they're your final customers, et cetera. So I think we've kind of spent a fair amount on challenges. Now I'll take a, a U-turn and start talking a little bit about how shippers really navigate the market in terms of keeping the costs down and avoidance of costs and unnecessary costs. Because obviously with OSHA, we know, again, what kind of costs that we can avoid. And with road, not many would, would be aware of it. So what kind of things we the ships could do to, to minimize that? So I'd say there's like finite or like 
easy short-term stuff that you can do. And then there's long strategic opportunities. The one thing I'll say is that this is an amazing time to actually kind of take stock of your supply chain, especially when it comes to road freight and analyze every bit and bob of it. And you can say, because there's a bit of a downturn right now, and it's a, it's a really good opportunity to say, what bad habits did our organization pick up over the last three, four years? How can we exercise those demons out a little bit and and get this back to a really streamlined place that operates really efficiently to be ready for the next you know, the next upturn in consumer demand. So I think when I talk about exercising demons, it's a lot about that communication and planning. So it's a really good opportunity to sit down at least with your, like your top, like the top trade lanes that you're working with, you know, the top customers that you have. And let's say they have certain requirements. Well, how can you start from what they need and work backwards to and like eliminate all of the opportunities for extra charges to come into play, you know, demerge, detention, you know, customs issues, etc. So you can start to when it's kind of a, a calmer period, you can start to take those costs out of the process and, and again be ready for for when you're moving 20 trucks a day instead of when you're moving five trucks a day. Right, because that that that's it, like exponential value fixing those issues now, and then from a more strategic perspective, again, it's a great opportunity to look at consolidation. Are there more interesting ways of moving cargo that we're moving today? Uh, I, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to turn my road customers to short sea customers, but that's a great opportunity, right? Is to no one wants. To. <laughs> I mean, so you know, op- opportunity to just say, well, okay, we've always done it this way, but why have we always done it this way? And maybe we actually, when we look at our supply chain, you know, it's hard to tell when you have, let's say 40, 50 buyers who are all kind of operating independently, you bring it all together and you say, actually, we can all have cargo ready around the same time in Italy, Germany, France, whatever it may be. And this is actually an opportunity to, instead of organizing 10 different shipments from 10 different locations that all have 10 different deliveries into your warehouse, right? So there's a lot of operational costs built into that, having 10 different people show up on four different days. How can we turn that into two or three deliveries and collections and make that more cost effective and operationally efficient? So those are the types of things that you can look at now as well is, you know, multi-stop truckloads or consult like milk run origin consolidation opportunities. Let's say one of my favorites is milk runs at origin and destinations. It's like literally a minibus going and uh, picking up and then going back. It's, it's such a great thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's amazing, especially if you have like any sort of critical mass yourself as a shipper to start to bring those types of things together. And you work with a, a company, an asset-based or a non-asset-based company that complements your geography and your supply chain. And then you then you get a lot of value out of that exercise. And like you said, you can do it at origin and at destination. You can really kind of do it wherever you have some sort of critical mass of suppliers or customers. So we're seeing that a lot right now. Yeah. And it's quite quicker as well. Well, compared to ocean, I mean, like, let you consolidate and just go, right? It's different just going to the port and waiting. And, you know, it, it takes a bit of time to depart. But now it's just with road, it's just 
consolidate drive and most of the cases depends on the transit it will be very quickly to arrive and 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 it'll be a very economical option yeah i mean that's a great point you make some of these options a lot of options when it comes to road freight that are more strategic and long-term and can take cost out very often times they can actually add value in terms of like reducing transit time quicker to market quicker to you know supply chain lead time from your suppliers into your warehouses it's usually not a you know, this or that, it can be both in road freight. I would say actually more often than not, it can be both because that critical mass makes it obviously more economically efficient for everyone who's in your supply chain, hauling or so on and so forth, suppliers. Yeah. And, and I really love you mentioning a lot of value, right? Again, yes, costs can be reduced and everything. But for me, it's, it's the epiphany as an account manager, I'll have to be biased. And it's really the value drivers that you bring, not just with costs. So everyone can do the cost, right? But it's, it's the value that adds to that cost that you're paying. So how can shippers get that value with the relationship with their carriers? What kind of things that they can do? I mean, it all starts with creating like a win-win scenarios where like you're aligned for a mutually beneficial outcome, right? Whether if you're a shipper and it's cost out or if it's transit time reduction, maybe both, you know, in a perfect world, you get everything. <laughs> then I, I think you find the right strategic opportunities and you have that mindset. You're going to get value delivered to you. One of the things that I love about Zen and my work at Zen is I get to partner with customers and fill those gaps in their supply chain with, you know, the same operational efficiency of working with Zen comparatively to working with, let's say, four or five or eight different hauliers that you have to work with. You know, there is no single asset based organization like in the world that can do everything well, you know, and deliver perfectly like it's that's very hard to find yes absolutely it's 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 not it's not impossible but I mean, if you find it you're paying you know out the wazoo for it as well so so that's one of the beautiful aspects of working with a non-asset based carrier is you you're able to have the same operational efficiency but work with across your whole supply chain filling all those different gaps with with better solutions for the marketplace so i think having to like tie it into the last point, I definitely think having a like mutually agreed, I guess I, I would say statement of works or scope of works in that you both shipper and carrier outline before the engagement what value you're looking to achieve and derive and you know what you're going to be able to do for the other party. And that sets again the framework for the whole engagement and delivering upon that value. So I think it's also very important to have all that kind of like to have your your wants and your needs planned out in advance and then go find, you know, the, the right strategic partners to make that happen for you who align to that vision that you're asking for. Because a lot of times you go so far up the river with, you know, trying to like you think this is going to be the right solution, but it turns out it was actually never going to be the right solution because you're just too misaligned on service delivery standards or, you know, technology, et cetera, it, it, it's much better to kind of outline that all, all out in front and then basically agree on 
on it moving forward as the next step. Yeah, and it's it's interesting as well. It's not we're not just looking at moving the the, the freight from point A to B. Is the value as well that brings to other things on the side, right? You know, like be it your customs process, whether you have the same broker as your your freight provider, be it your your systems that you use and all that. So it, it definitely gets more granular as you start getting the value that you're doing, just not really only moving A to B. I mean, value can be so granular as our warehouse likes to load on Fridays, but our broker, let's say you're moving from the UK to the EU or EU to the UK, but our broker isn't open on Saturdays and Sundays. And it creates either creates demerge or it creates a challenge that we actually have to load on Thursday mornings now instead to meet the transit time requirements and, and the customs clearance. It can be so simple as aligning the right solution that gives your warehouse the best of that world, makes the customs worker be able to work you know, for an hour on a sa- Sunday to get the clearances done for everything that loaded on Friday. And your customer like, is there at 8.30 in the morning on Monday and he's getting his deliveries in. And he's really happy too. Instead of having a truck be stuck, you know, he's at it's at eleven AM on Monday and he's like, Where's the trucks that you know I'm expecting? Are they stuck in the Netherlands waiting for clearance or you know, something like that? So value can be as granular as just exercising a little bit of those challenges. That's great, Michael. I completely agree. I think we could talk about that all day long, the road freight world is 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 a big one so i think it will be interesting to have another episode on solutions part of of road freight because everyone really understands the kind of ocean side and the air side but not not with a with a road i think the great food for thought that the listeners could have there thank you so much michael and thank you for joining us on this podcast i really enjoyed our conversation and thank you everyone for listening in and listening to an episode of freight to the point i'd like to ask you to not forget to like or subscribe to our series on spotify apple Podcasts, or google Podcasts if you enjoyed this episode and of course if you have any questions or feedback please feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn or any of your social media preference. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much.